Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. We have another Road to the Trials episode with Jeremy Rivera. Jeremy, welcome back to the show. Hi, and thank you so much for having me back on. And hello, people. Hello, people. I'm so excited to chat with you. You've had a, a pretty... Now, is tumultuous the right word? You've had some up and down the last couple months and just came back from Monumental, which is a nice little stepping stone to what we'll be talking about in a little bit in terms of your next marathon. So I guess, first of all, can you just, you know, it doesn't even have to be a quick one, but I'd love to, for you to set the stage for just the health stuff that you've been dealing with recently. I know you've done a great job of explaining it over on Instagram, but if people who maybe uh, don't follow you there or maybe just need a refresher, can you just walk us back in time a little bit here? Cause it's something that has been seem seemed to be pretty cumbersome. Yeah. So I'm actually going to start a little bit before where I've normally started. I start in January with this story, but I'm going to start a little bit into like last fall, where we discussed on this podcast, I'm pretty sure that I had been going to therapy and journaling and working on myself and I made these tremendous strides. But then in January, um, I ran Houston and I did really great. Um, But the following weeks after that, like maybe four weeks after that, when now's about the time you should start to feeling a little bit better, maybe thinking about your next couple races for the season. I started noticing that I was dealing with a lot of fatigue. My nails were breaking. My hair was falling out in large clumps. Um, I started losing the motivation to see friends or do things on the weekend. I spent all weekend napping. um, And I was just slowly... I feel like it's dramatic to say it, but I feel like I was dying. Like I had lost so many pieces of myself and who I was that um, I was becoming someone who was no longer recognizable to myself. So um, I got some blood work, but unfortunately at the time I wasn't entirely sure what I should have been asking for. So we were only looking at my hemoglobin and my doctor said, your hemoglobin's fine. Your blood work looks great. It's just probably all in your head. You're just depressed um, and probably just anxious. And so, you know, I picked up my therapist, well, a therapist, a new therapist, because I couldn't get back in with my old one. He had like disappeared off the face of the planet. I don't think he was hiding from me, but he like sometimes goes on these retreats and like disappears for a while. So when we ended our last session, he's like, yeah, let me know when you come back. And then I couldn't find him. Um, So... I got ghosted by three different therapists and I was so desperate and scrambling because I was like, I am so done feeling this way, feeling unmotivated, feeling tired, feeling like I don't even want to hang out with people that um, I found the first guy that didn't ghost me and took me in. And so I start working with him and telling him, you know, the same spiel I'm giving here minus the health parts. I just kind of mentioned that I was losing motivation to do post. I didn't feel like running anymore. Um, And at this point, that's when my nails started really crumbling bad. And I was styling my hair and I was like asking myself, okay, how can I style it so that I can hide my bald? And then I thought to myself, wait a minute, I've never thought about covering bald patches on my head. Um, so I continued to work with this guy was making no progress and he got super frustrated with me and I was getting frustrated with him because 
Um, I was just continuing to go downhill physically and mentally. And this felt a little bit different than previous mental health issues that I had dealt with. Usually there's something like going on in my life that's driving depression, but this was like coming out of nowhere. So left field, you know, I was on top of the world and then all of a sudden I'm like in the lowest pit that I've been in. Um, and he told me, you know, this is on you. This is something that you're choosing. And he sent me this thing on how to not to how to not um, live your life miserably because that this is the way that you're choosing to do so. And I, I at that point said, I'm done with this guy. My coach was traveling abroad and I hadn't had much access to him. And at this point, I was kind of hiding the motivational things that I was going through because my mind was spinning. Um, I'm a very positive person. I have never dealt with thoughts of thinking like, oh, maybe I'm getting old. Maybe I'm at the end of my road. Maybe the marathon stuff isn't for me. And I kept modifying workouts, cutting mileage, not wanting to get up. I was almost in tears every single Sunday morning for the long run because of how exhausted I was. And I was telling my husband, I'm just not, I'm not going to make it. And so one day I called my coach and I just spilled everything. And I was like, I'm too old. I'm not cut out for this. I don't think this is going to work out. I'm not going to make it by the fall. I can't even handle 60 mile weeks. And to anyone who knows me, 60 mile weeks is like on the very lower end of what I'm running. So it was unusual. And he was like, you need to go in and get your ferritin tested immediately. And I had heard about ferritin, but I didn't know what that was. And I had never asked for it before. Um, And he was yelling at me like, how come you never got this tested? I can't believe it. Like we're, I bet you your number's going to come back and it's going to be low. And I thought, oh, he's probably just like exaggerating. I was on a beach trip. I was like, this old man is barking at my ear and it's going to be about nothing because my number's probably going to come back. It's going to be a little low. Well, it came back at 20. Usually you want a value of 100. <laughs> Um, and then 40 to 50 is kind of like on the low end of normal. So for it to come back at 20, I was any value lower than 20, um, it, you start becoming anemic and your hemoglobin starts dropping. So, um, my jaw was on the floor, but also now this all started to make sense. All the little pieces coming together. Another symptom that I had was like my heart was pounding in my ears at night. And that was kind of why my doctor was like, oh, you're probably just anxious. But I'm like, how, why? I don't have anxious thoughts. Like I'm laying down and I can hear my heart like a drum no matter what position I lay in, um, like beating in my ears. And I can't even sleep at night because I'm hearing it so loud. Right. Um, I mean, if you were anxious, I feel like you would be one of the first people to know. Yeah. Yeah. So everything started coming together. And I fired the therapist before this, but now I was like, oh, now I'm never coming back. Like, screw that guy, you know? Um, but we started working on this and I told my coach, I'll, I'll have it back up in like four weeks. And then I found out, yeah, that's not how this works. It's usually like a three to six month process. Sometimes it can be a, a year. So that's when I kind of realized that my foot was in a bear trap. And I was not going to get it out anytime soon. All right. Let's talk about this because this first thing that comes up with a lot of the ferrets and stuff and iron, um, most of all, it's something that can, can affect anybody. It's more common in women 
than men in terms of low iron and low ferritin, but in fact, anybody. Also, there are like the general health guidelines, and then there are athlete guidelines, and then they are not the same. And for some certain readings, that's not true. They can be that they're the same for everybody, but with iron and with ferritin, that's not the case. And that's one of the things that oftentimes people can get, even if they're getting it tested, they can get bad advice. And like, oh, you fall within the range of normal, but like the range of normal for... Again, just someone who's not very not very active or not putting in the kind of schedule you are from a running perspective is very different than the stuff that you would require. So what was it like in terms of, okay, I have my number. Now what does this mean? So who did you talk to and what were some of the recommendations that you received? Well, first of all, my doctor didn't even call me back. I called them and I was like, hey, what the what is going on here? My number came back at 20. What can I do? Like, can I get an infusion? And they were like, no, you're normal. You're fine. Maybe take some iron every now and then. But um, the first person actually that I called was my coach to tell him as soon as I discovered this. And he told me, oh, man, you are not in a good place. Like, we need you to be ideally 40 to 50. And so that's where I was getting my recommendation from. I tried going to a hematologist and they said they wouldn't send me unless the doctor sent me. And the doctor wouldn't send me unless I was like anemic fully and had low hemoglobin. So I was kind of in a very, um, I was I was blocked from really doing much more other than just taking the pills. And I wasn't going to get an infusion. No one was coming to save me. Um, and, you know, I thought at this point, okay, well, I'll just keep getting tested every now and then. And I'll just see if I'm poisoning myself <laughs> or if I'm making any progress. And if I'm not making progress, then we can kind of do some steps to like test my stools to see if I'm having a GI bleed or something. But I knew um, immediately when I started reading about this, I have a very, very heavy cycle. Uh, without like getting into details, just trust me, it's very, very heavy. And I knew that between the running and the heavy cycles, and also the fact that I don't eat a lot of red meat, because it kind of upsets my stomach, if it's the cut is too fatty, I'd cut all red meat out. <laughs> so I was kind of like, okay, these three things are probably what's uh, causing this. So thankfully, um, I, I went to my OBGYN. She did some further testing. I got onto a hormonal IUD to control my period so that they weren't, um, you know, like a hemorrhaging flow. And between all those little things, getting the IUD, putting the red meat back in, getting the pill, uh, incorporating that as a daily part of my routine, the numbers started to bump up now to a point where I brought it from 20 to 33 in like four months. So, so the numbers are up. Does it feel any different? Oh my God. Yes. It feels a world. I have, okay. So first of all, there was a point, um, I'm trying to think of this because when, when I was talking, when, Anyways, when I was thinking of you inviting me on here, I was like, wait a minute, you reached out to me one day to do the last or the trials episode back in March. And that day was like one of my lowest points where I felt so tired. I didn't even think I had the energy to come on that day. And I was like, let me just do it. I felt so weird. Like I didn't feel like myself. Um, but yeah, my hair, like, as you can see, it's kind of growing back a little bit <laughs> in the corners. And um, I'm not waking up wanting to cry because of how tired I am on a daily basis. I, there was a point 
Um, I'm working with dogs and people's homes. There were a lot of times where I was on my hands and knees because I felt like I was going to drop to the floor and faint and hit my head and no one was going to find me. Um, so now I can get up without feeling like I, um, see the star spangled banner. Um, so that has been a significant difference in my health. Um, but yeah, I think those are, oh, and my nails are all like, they're here. They're not crumbling. <laughs> so, and my workouts have slowly been getting better, but it's not been, it's not been like, oh, I worked on this. And then all of a sudden things are better and I'm in a better place. No, it's been up, down, up, down, a lot of downs more than ups, but then slowly over time, there were more ups than down. And now the downs are, you know, not happening as often. Gotcha. Okay. And with that being the case, what did you and your coach do in terms of curbing and changing the workout plan to match what was not what was necessary for you at that time and incorporating that into the building back of the iron and making sure that it wasn't, again, working with what you're capable of doing and also making sure that the workouts weren't going to be stunting the iron growth. I know that's not the right term, but you know, you know yeah. what I'm trying to say that as you're trying to build that back into your system. Yeah. So one issue, and I had mentioned this, that the running had been causing it. It's from the foot strike hemolysis. So you're bursting the blood vessels. So that's why, yeah, what you're talking about, about how do you run and burst your blood vessels on the bottom of your feet and still maintain a healthy level of iron. Um, well, we had to cut my mileage a little bit. Like we were shooting for 100 and um, we would have these like times where I would go up to 90 and then um, he would quickly be like, yeah, you need to go back down. So we scaled it back to like 75 ish. We were able to like consistently bring it to 85. But my training kind of became something that instead of just him like writing the week, we would touch in very frequently and he would um, adjust it based on how I was feeling. And there were a lot of times where I did a workout and I, I could tell it was like, I call it a low ferritin day. Like I was just having a really bad day, struggling to catch my breath, feeling super dizzy. And I just cut it and I didn't feel bad about it. Um, I knew that it, it wasn't a personal thing. It wasn't a motivational thing. So that made it very easy for me to do that. Um, so yeah, I just pretty much listened to my body. And if I was having a good day, then I rode that train. And if I was having a bad day, then I knew, okay, well then I just need to cut it and go home, take a shower get some rest, um, and not really beat myself up. Cause I had spent so long thinking this was me. I couldn't stand more, you know, lashings from myself. And how did that, you know, you're a goal oriented person, right? You, you, when you have a goal in mind, you are a hard driver and you really go after it with intensity. And it's one of the things that makes you, you, right. And we all love to hear about it. And, you know, I think it's one of the reasons why you're such a captivating presence on this show. Not only that, but also you have a lot, just a wonderful self-awareness about yourself and the way you're able to um, communicate that uh, in, in, in a podcast format. So with that being the case on the goal oriented side, what was it like for you once you had, okay, this is what's going on. So you didn't have that overwhelming sense of dread of like, what is happening to me? But at the same time, it also wasn't full systems go. So how were you mentally dealing with, you know, again, curbing workouts on certain days and, and having lower mileage or peak mileage week and then a, a down mileage week? How did, how did you work through that? 
I mean, I just took each day as it came, um, which isn't very helpful to say, but I think like, cause it's, it's like, okay, yeah, but how do you do that without kicking yourself in the butt and feeling like, oh, how did I get myself in here? And I, and I was in a hole for a very long time, feeling guilty for myself and wondering how could I have let this happen? But there was eventually a time where I just had to accept that, you know, this is where I'm at and there's no use in fighting it. There's no use in struggling. I'm just going to have to ride with this and um, just have faith that everything was going to work out. But honestly, it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And there were a lot of days that I cried and I felt very guilty. Um, but podcasts helped a lot. I listened to a lot of motivational people Um and that kind of kept my spirits up. I know that this isn't going to last forever. The good times in life don't last forever either. So you just kind of have to ride the waves and, um, you know, be grateful when you are on top and be strong when you're on the bottom and know that you're not going to be there for as long as you're thinking in that moment. So how hard did you have to work? to gain up like the motivation to just go out for your runs when you were at the depths of this? Cause it sounds like it must've been an incredible effort. Yeah, it was very, very hard. I honestly don't even know. I stopped journaling at this point because I lost even this, like the mental clarity to write in my journal. There was a point where I wrote in it and I said, you know, this is the last time I'm writing to you because I, I can't do this anymore. I don't have the energy to do this. Um, yeah, it, it was very dark. Um, and I think it's just putting on music, putting on podcasts. Uh, I was also very like lonely during this time. You know that I run with a lot of people, but I didn't have the energy to be around other people. And so I was just running alone, get my run in and out of my neighborhood and just come back home so I could crawl into bed and go back to sleep. Um, but I really just kind of went into myself and just said, I just need to take one day at a time, one step at a time. It's a lot like being at the end of a marathon. And I think that's why I love the marathon is because like it teaches you how to do that. It teaches you that you can overcome these obstacles, even when like you're hurting down to your bones and your teeth and everything is telling you to stop and give up. Um, but yeah, I, I look back and I'm like, it's like looking at a giant mountain that you just came off of. And you're like, how did I do that? <laughs> how did I get off of that? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, just one step at a time. And here you are. So you, when did you and your coach really finalize, you know, what you were willing to do from a race perspective this fall, right? Because I'm sure there was a point where everything was up in the air. So when, when did when did plans really start to materialize? Not materialize, I know you'd already had them in the spring looking forward to the fall, but when did things really start to um, iron out in terms of like, okay, this is now still a possibility and these are things that we can do? Um, Like three weeks ago. <laughs> Truthfully, three weeks ago. Um, so there's a couple of local races. Uh, you've covered them, the series. We talked about it. 
Um, and the series had started and I was too embarrassed to do any of the 5k races because I was so sure that I was going to jump into one and get gassed and dizzy and run this like time that I just wasn't proud of. And I knew, um, it wasn't indicative of where I would be had I not been dealing with this. And that was also another part of it that was really hard was knowing that literally I was just there. I was just at this like very good place. And now I'm in the dumps, like in a few months, uh, which is not, you know, a lot of people go through that, but it's just a mind, you know, warp. Um, but um, he pushed me to do a local 5k against my will, kind of. It, it was, I, I was open to it, but he was like, come on, you've got to do this. You cannot keep running away from these races. You just have to find out where you're at and we'll just go from there. And I had so run- kind of like just race, no judgment. Just try your best and we see where we're at. Yep. And I told myself, like, Jeremy, if it's bad, this is what you need. Like, you need to get crumbled and humbled and we'll just work from there and find out where we need to adjust once you see where you're at. So I ran this 5K and I won it and I took off, like, at a 545 minute per mile and just, like, held it and never looked back. And I was thinking before this race, I said, well, you know, if I get gas and I start running like six 30 minute miles, it's just, it is what it is. Right. But, um, it never happened. And that's kind of when the light bulb started to like flicker and turn on. And we were like, oh, this might be happening. Like we might be starting to go somewhere. So the week after that, I ran two workouts, like an eight, no, it was like a 10 mile run, but with the warm up, cool down, whatever, the eight miles in the middle were like sub six and I felt great and I was talking and then I ran another workout after that, like 550 pace for four miles, like leading into the taper into Indy. And I was like, okay, I'm having some, having some really good days. Like, I think this might kind of work out. I think I might have a good day at Indy. All right, quick break. I want to give a shout out to John G for sponsoring this episode. John G, that's J-A-N-J-I. They have some of the best running attire in the world. Also, five-year run guarantee. The weather is changing. It was raining all weekend up here in New England. It's getting cold. What better way to embrace that weather than to get the, the rain jacket or the wind jacket? You get the shell on. And the nice things about the shells are they're super thin, but they also can keep that that hot air in. So I like to wear them with like either a t-shirt or a long sleeve shirt. And I can, I stay super warm in those things. So give a shout out over to John G. Go check them out. John G.com. Not only do you get the five year run guarantee, you also get 15% off with code rambling at checkout. Now let's get back to my conversation with Jeremy. Well, you just mentioned Indy, right? So all of a sudden Indy's on the calendar again, you're doing this as a half marathon. So talk to me about, the process of, of approaching this half marathon with CIM, you know, five weeks later, how do you, how do you approach this race in terms of um, not only a CIM prep, but also understanding and trying to figure out where you are fitness wise? Well, I had actually signed up for the full and because we had had those like really good days, we were like, you know what, there's no backing out now. We were like, let's go for it. Let's kind of see where things go. And if you don't feel good, just cut to the half marathon course, you know, DQ yourself or just run 15, 20 miles as best as you can and then just drop if things start going south. So it was very low pressure 
Um, I'm so glad you corrected me there because I saw that you'd run that. I saw you'd run the half, but I was like, it says it says marathon, but then she'd run half, and I wasn't sure. So I just assumed it was a clerical thing. I didn't realize it was a choice going into it. Yeah, well, we like I had been kind of silent about this whole thing because I really didn't know how things were going to go down. So I didn't want to say, oh, I'm running the full, just kidding, the half, no, the full, because my coach and I were going back and forth like that. Like, no, we're in it for the half. No, we're in it for the full. No, we're in it for the half. And then the last week we were like, okay, we've had some good days. Let's just see what happens. So yeah, um, unfortunately it was not a good day. And I knew from mile one, and that's just kind of how this has been with the low ferritin thing is that, um, some days I run and, excuse me, some days I run and the paces that are very easy to me, I'm like gasping and dying and I cannot catch my breath and it feels very strained and I can't finish my own workouts. Some days I run them with ease. So I knew to be very flexible, but when I ran that first mile and I was like, very close to the OTQ pack because my pace, my goal pace was to start at like 6.05. Um, so they were within sight of me, um, but they slowly started to pry away from me. And I was with more girls that were also getting pried away from that group. Um, and then my pace like tanked to a 6.20. And I noticed when I was talking to this girl that I had made friends with that I was like gasping and trying to catch my breath. And she was talking effortlessly. I've run 620 pace so many times, but you know, I don't try to, um, I never go into a marathon thinking like, oh, this is gonna be easy. I've got this. Like I can run this pace in my sleep. Never. Because that is the moment <laughs> that you effed up. Like it's going to be a very hard day if you think it's going to be easy. So, um, you know, once I noticed that and we were about mile eight and the strain became even more intense and more intense to the point that I felt like I was at mile 20 when I reached 13, I told myself, okay, I don't think this is going to be it. And I think the smarter decision is going to be to just pull out and then save it for CIM because um, maybe I could have finished sub 250 but that's not what I came there to do. That's not the day that I wanted to have. And I didn't want to risk having to recover for two weeks and then go into CIM kind of like in a hole and not have good workouts leading up to it. Like we were only going to do the full if it was very successful. And I did the like a low 240 with a smile on my face <laughs> for most of the way, at least, you know. So I was very thankful. Like at mile 15, I found this guy with an elite bib and he was hanging out next to this like plain clothes dude. And so I stopped my watch and I was like, did you drop too? Or, you know, like, did you drop? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, are you going to get a ride back with him? And he's like, I am. And so I just was like, Boop, finished it, <laughs> cheered on some people. I saw my husband. He passed me. He looked very sad to see me on the side. Um, but I was like, you keep going. Don't worry about me. I saw a few other people. And uh, that man, he was out there. Like, I know this isn't about him and his wife, but he was like spectating his uh, like wife that's in her 50s. And she was running a sub three. And he's Whoa. like, oh, yeah. yeah. Get her on the show. I know. I got to find her because someone else was like, hey, I met this lady at the finish. And she showed me her phone. And it was that woman. <laughs> I was like, that's the guy's wife. Um. But yeah, she did run a 258. Um, 
and anyways, he was going to the the finish to meet her there. And so it all kind of worked out. And he gave me his jacket and like turned on the heater. And we rode all the way back to the finish. And I went back to the, there's like a little elite room. Um, and I hadn't realized, but when I went into that elite room, out of all the corners in the room, like I picked the one right next to Parker Stinson. So I was just like starstruck. And then when I got back there, he was there. And I was just like, oh my God, don't look at me. <laughs> but uh yeah and then I met Rob at the finish and he did great so but it was a good day but it wasn't at the same time you know right but it seems like you're again we're recording this like the next day for people who don't know we're recording two days later this this race happened on Saturday we're recording right now on Monday so from a DNF perspective it seems like it wasn't one of those things where you're going to be like thinking about for a month, right? It seems like you were able to like process it quickly and move on from that experience and take the good from the bad. Oh yeah. We partied and then I lost no sleep. I mean, I only got like four hours of sleep because we had an early flight, (laughs) but we partied. I had a ton of fun. And one of the first things my coach told me was like, don't be a dick uh after this (laughs) he didn't have to tell me that though i knew like i knew kind of going into this what could happen and so when it started to unfold i said well here we go this is just the day you know right exactly and you know it ends up being a really good training stimulus for cim right running a half marathon hard even if it's like something you're, you're struggling with Again, you don't do that a ton in training, right? Going going really hard, you know, maybe 95 to 90%, 99% effort for 13.1 miles is a monster training day. Yeah, and you have like a whole cheer crowd and I had bottles for the first time. So there are a lot of like really good things. That's exciting. That's exciting. So one before we get to CIM, I do have to ask, how did your how did your husband do? You said he did well. So did he have like any we don't have to do like a full ten minutes on it, but like yeah. did he have goals? Like what was what was his thing? We've never brought him up on the pod before. Yeah, so he was actually struggling with under eating and iron deficiency as well. We both were going into this. So he didn't know um what his run was going to be like either. And I told him going into this, I said, You are gonna run sub two fifty and he's like, No, I'm not and even our coach didn't believe that he was going to run sub 250, but he ran 248, 58 or 59, something like that, like sneaked in right under there. And he was as pale as a ghost when I saw him, but he was so happy. He's pretty pale already. He's pretty pale. He's, he's like, he's like from my, he's my, my school to paleness. Like, yeah. I can, I can see that. And he was so white that literally everyone was like, oh, my God, you are pale. And his lips oh. were purple. Yeah. So he he went through it. But he had a phenomenal race. I think he negative split it. If he didn't, he ran very consistent, like very consistent. Gotcha. Yeah. And you mentioned before, like you run with a lot of people. Oftentimes you know, he's in that running group. Like you have a ton of posts. It's like, it's you, it's him. It's one, two, maybe even three other people doing workouts together, which is like, again, we all, most of us have a spouse that is also active. You know, if, if we have a spouse, they're usually, they're active to some degree, but it doesn't mean like if we're runners that they're also runners or sometimes there are different seasons of life. Like maybe one is more fit than the other at different periods. You guys seem to be pretty aligned with a lot of your training in the past. We have been, but you know, this summer I was kicking his butt. So I did not expect, like I told him if I would have continued, if I would have had like a hard headed day and I decided to finish, I think he would have kicked my butt. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why you DNF'd. We talked, we, this why. wasn't strategy. It was just, it was ego. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I couldn't let it happen. <laughs> All right. So you have 
a month until CIM, right? So you got a good solid three and a half weeks ish before taper, you know, three and a half to four weeks before taper, depending on how long your taper is. So, um, what are your thoughts in terms of like your training and you know, the kind of days that you foresee either from a long run perspective or just general thoughts about training heading into that marathon? Yeah, so when I was initially in that deep hole, my coach was very open to me cutting workouts and really listening to my body. But my husband and I, we kind of noticed that maybe there were some days that I said, oh, I'm gassed. But then if I've like pushed myself to finish, I did pretty well. So once my coach learned this, then he's like, all right, that's it. I'm taking off the kid gloves. Like you're, <laughs> you just got to do this. Like no more babying yourself. And so this week is going to be um, horrendous. It's going to be like 85 mile a week um, with a lot of uh, miles at sub six. So we're just really like increasing that stimulus at the sub six pace, uh, really trying to trigger that sharpening period as we go into it. Um, thankfully, because I was smart and chose not to finish it, I don't have to take any time down from the half that I ran. And it really wasn't that fast compared to like my Sunday run. So I really lost nothing. So we're just going to continue as if nothing had happened. And we're going to see how I handle these workouts this week and adjust from there. That's great. And do you see yourself again, we're a month out. So if you don't have this dialed in, I mean, there's, there's no negative here and, and whatever, but do you see yourself going into CIM if things progress in kind of a normal ish range over the next four weeks kind of doing a kind of like kind of like a a sit strategy where it's like hey I'm going to sit with the OTQ group for as long as I can and then if I die and I have to kind of like you know shuffle it in then that's the way it goes or do you see yourself taking more of a hey I'm going to go for like a maybe a more measured approach try to run my best on that day and maybe not go into like a uh oh like the last 10k is going to be like you know recovery pace because I just went for broke so that might be determined as we get closer, but I think that we're going to lean more towards the second approach just because I do need a win. And also Indy was supposed to be that race where if I was feeling it, like I can just go with that pack for as long as possible and then drop and it's no pressure. Um, with CIM, I do want to finish no matter what. So as we kind of get close to it, if things aren't really looking like they're lining up or I take off again and it seems like I'm even struggling to hold a six minute mile, it's like, I'm just gonna finish it, get my PR, knock on wood and, um, go from there and start on the next four year cycle. So. Right. And ultimately like that's just an external, it's an external benchmark, right? It's like, you know, we, we use, we use these external benchmarks as a great goal setting mechanism and, and they, and they can mean certain things to us because we assign them value as opposed to like, you know, growth and getting better over time isn't connected to, you know, external goals or external time, um, time demarcations. You know, you know, those things are just kind of stuff that we can latch on to. But ultimately, like getting better as an athlete and getting stronger is something that's not connected to those sorts of things at all. So I think that's uh, is interesting how people approach it, because at the same time, we're also motivated by certain things. Right. And getting getting your TQ time, you know, it's not like just because it's ephemeral in terms of like its connection to like our own reality at the same time. 
it's also real because it's, it's a tangible thing of like, hey, I want to run in the trials. In order to do that, I need this certain time. So um, it is interesting the kind of the back and forth that can be played in terms of figuring out how to approach that sort of thing. Yeah, and I know I'm aware that it's a privilege to train for this, and I'm so happy to be able to put what I can to do this. And I do understand the amount of years and hard work that athletes who come from a much like more experienced background than me even struggle to, you know, nail these times. So I have a lot of respect for the goal and the time. And I'm not coming into this thinking, oh, well, if I don't make it in the first three years and screw this, it's not made for me. Like, no, I have a lot more years ahead of me. I'm 31. So at least nine years of really good running. Shoot, that that lady ran a 258. She's 50 years old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No excuses. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a goal. And I think we talked about this on one of the last episodes that, you know, it kind of gives you something that, you know, you have to work towards, but, um, there's really not much outside of that. I mean, it's, it's a timeline. I know like it gets me off my butt moving and doing this instead of thinking, oh, I could do this or I, I could, if I would, or if something was, you know, aligned properly, like, no. I have my timeline, and if it doesn't work out on this timeline, then that's fine. But, um, yeah, you explained it beautifully. <laughs> oh, thanks. Trying, I was trying. I was like, wait, am I going too off the rails here? It feels like I'm rambling, <laughs> even too much for a, a podcast with my namesake. But nevertheless, Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your journey so far through 2023. I'm so excited. I'm sure I'll see you at CIM. And whether we talk before that race, I'm sure we'll talk after that race. I'm sure, you know, it would be a great conversation. So if I don't talk to you before then, certainly good luck in Sacramento. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you there.